I think that would be viewed as well. I'll ask him. That would be what? Viewed as a retaliation. Because yeah. they can turn it on as well as they want. Welcome to worship at Holy Trinity this morning. Please uh, turn on your gallery on your turn on your camera at this time and go to gallery view so that we can take a moment to see each other and wave a little bit and see the community that's gathered this morning in the name of Christ. Go ahead and wave a little bit so we can see you. We want you to know this day and always that whoever you are, whatever the color of your skin, your race, your ethnicity, your religious or spiritual background, or even how you vote or see the world, that you are welcome in this community. And on Pride Sunday especially, we want you to know that you are welcomed and beloved, whatever your gender identity or sexual orientation. So now because we are in our homes where we can sing with gusto, we begin with our gathering hymn. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. O oh God, you direct our lives by your grace. 
and your words of justice and mercy reshape the world. Mold us into a people who welcome your word and serve one another. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. A reading from Genesis. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one side of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God has shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father! And he said, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, It is God who will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. The angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God.
A reading from Romans. Do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you are entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. But just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, and to greater and greater inequity, so now present yourselves as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Word of God, word of life. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the twelve, Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Oh Christ. Whoa, we've got a doozy story today in Genesis. It's odd, it's troubling, it's fascinating. Maybe even the most objectionable passage in the Bible for some people. The sacrifice of Isaac. Jews call it the binding of Isaac. And though I've never preached on it, and we've never scheduled it for an Easter vigil reading, though assigned as one of the options, we're working our way through some classic Genesis texts these summer weeks. So here we go. And it may come as a surprise, but I'm enjoying having screens to work with to show images during sermons. And soon when we're back in the church, that won't be possible. I know it's a bit of a fantasy, but I could imagine a big screen in the church so that we could have images for readings or for sermons like today. Well, 
A couple of weeks ago, we heard God's promise to very, very old Abraham and Sarah that they would have a future, an heir. Their descendants would be as numerous as the stars. They laughed it off, but miracle of miracles, Isaac is born, their pride and joy. Last week, we heard of Abraham fathering another child, Ishmael by Hagar, a slave woman. And Muslims claim to be descendants of Abraham through Ishmael. Don't forget. God keeps promises. The future is open for Abraham, right? Until today's crisis. A test, it's called. Does Abraham trust and obey God the giver? Or does he only cherish and covet the gift, his son? What God asks, what God demands, seems ludicrous to our ears. Take the gift, take your favored son, the sign of your laughter, take your hope for the future, your pride and joy, and surrender him. Whoa. Should we call DCFS? Actually, some Jewish rabbis fault Abraham for his lack of faith. He should have said no, refused right then and there. And what of our future? The word sacrifice is in a newspaper headline today after asking Americans to sacrifice in shutdown. Leaders failed to control virus. Think back a couple months ago when a Southern politician in his 70s said that older folks could take care of themselves, but don't sacrifice the economy. And boy, did he take flack from some. Well, we're civilized. We don't sacrifice children. Yet the well-being of children is sacrificed today. Abuse and neglect separating immigrant children from parents. An article for Pride Month compared the current pandemic to the AIDS crisis in the 1980s. Then and now fear, ignorance, hypocrisy. Leaders then and now confronting the health risks with ideology rather than science. Hate leading to death, scapegoating. How often Christians can be so consumed with seeing sin as impurity, interpreting Paul in the Romans reading today about exercising sin on our mortal bodies, rather than holding up the gift, the grace offered to all in Christ, the gospel, our very pride and joy, Lutherans would insist. Now, another article I read the past week was even more disturbing. We sacrifice the future of the planet by human arrogance with no concern for generations, for children who come after us. Thinking of the coronavirus originating in animals and what we're doing to the planet's biodiversity, one ecologist said, everything we do to disrupt natural systems, to manipulate the environment around us, including our own health, the well-being of the earth is being sacrificed. And the well-being of the human community is being sacrificed by scapegoating others, often those most vulnerable, as the pandemic reveals, persons of color, the elderly, refugees and immigrants, transgendered people. Wait, wait, you say? Abraham nearly sacrifices his pride and joy. We're sacrificing people we consider expendable. The key moment in the story, remember, is when Abraham draws the knife and an angel appears, stop. God will provide the sacrifice. 
there is a ram in the bush. Despite our tendency to raise the knife with words that kill, with weapons that destroy, with racism and homophobia that diminishes a person's dignity, there is a ram in the bush, as some faithful people put it. The ancient rabbis said it beautifully. God created the ram in the thicket at creation and left it there through all time, waiting for Abraham to see it in the periphery of his vision. The Lord will provide this powerful story is portrayed in art and poetry and theology for generations. It's been written about and argued about for centuries. Now Martin Luther praised Abraham for his obedience, even for his blind faith by not questioning God. But philosopher Soren Kierkegaard was consumed with the story and in a famous book, Fear and Trembling, he tried to imagine different scenarios. At one point, he says that even if Abraham meant to sacrifice Isaac rather than murder him, precisely in this contradiction is the anxiety that can make a person sleepless. Yet without this anxiety, Abraham is not who he is. So Muslims praise the faith of Abraham. Jews hold up the survival of the promise and the land. Christians see a foreshadowing of the cross in which God gives his only son for all the world. Remember, Isaac represents God's promise of a future. I remember when I was in my 20s, I wondered what kind of future I would have whether I could truly, as a gay man, be in a committed relationship that my heart so longed for and also serve as a pastor. And yet I had to trust God's promise. If we get beyond the literal and imagine God asking us to sacrifice whatever we thought our future may hold, we may hear the story anew. For whatever future we imagined even six months ago, it no longer exists. And all we are left with is hope and the promise of God. I am with you always. You are my pride and joy. And the cross, consider Christ's sacrifice not as an act to placate uh, horrific God, but a sign of God sharing all that it means to be human, especially our most lonely, our most sorrowful, our most God-forsaken moments. On this Pride Sunday, remember that you are God's pride and joy. You have a future. God's promise to Sarah and Abraham is for you as well. For everyone born, a place at the table. Isaac and Ishmael, Muslim, Jew, and Christian, all those longing for a cup of cold water, those praying for a new day, a better world, a more equitable society, a future bright with promise. People of all colors, all races, all genders and sexualities, all religions and spiritualities and ideologies for everyone born. All God's beloved children. All God's pride and joy. Amen.
Praise and thanks praise to you. and thanks to you, holy God, for by your word you made all things. You spoke light into darkness, called forth beauty from chaos, and brought life into being. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. By your word, you called your people Israel to tell of your wonderful gifts, freedom from captivity, water on the desert journey, a pathway home from exile, wisdom for life with you. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. Through Jesus, your word, your word made flesh, you speak to us and call us to witness. Forgiveness through the cross, life to those entombed by death, the way of your self-giving love. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. Send your spirit of truth, O God, Rekindle your gifts within us. Renew our faith, increase our hope, and deepen our love for the sake of the world in need. Faithful to your word, O God, draw near to all who call on you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory forever. Amen. Amen. morning and welcome. The word welcome is in today's gospel six times. So listen up. Jesus' words are not just about extending welcome to others, but also about receiving welcome. It is especially about welcoming prophets, truth-telling messengers of God. Holy Trinity is prophetic as we stand against all forms of injustice, especially homophobia, transphobia, and racism. As you live out your faith at home, at work, and in the world, we pray that others will welcome this message of inclusion and grace. 
With this in mind on this Pride Sunday, we hope that you will join us for small bites after worship today from 1045 to 1115. Holy Trinity member Carrie Fleming and Pastor Jamie Frazier from the Lighthouse Foundation will lead us in a conversation about Black queer liberation. You can also attend a, fuller hour, a full hour version of that conversation this Wednesday at 10 a.m. But that session requires pre-registration to receive a Zoom link. So you can find that on our website under announcements. Next Sunday's forum will be led by Ryan LaHerd and it's called, Where Does Religion Come From? So I know that's gonna be a good one. I hope you'll join us for that again next Sunday. And this Sunday, as always, we continue to thank you for your generosity, for your generosity during these challenging times. Please note that your loose offers, you can support our loose offerings by making a special gift at our giving website, giving.htchicago.org, or by using the Venmo scan code that um, is in your bulletin. Today's special offering will support the Lighthouse Foundation a ministry that blends both our support of LGBTQ plus inclusion and our commitment to anti-racism. And now today I'm delighted to introduce to you our faith story sharer. It says Betty Guilfoy in your bulletin, but it's not her today. It's gonna to be her in a couple of weeks. And we welcome Travis Paul to share with us his faith story. Travis, thank you. When Craig and Michelle asked me to talk about my faith story today, what would in non-pandemic time be the culmination of LGBTQIA pride in Chicago, my initial reaction was a feeling of queasiness, which prompted a resolute no. Not to throw shade at Bethel, my childhood church, because I'm gonna do that later, but my experience of growing up in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, was that one does not talk about such things or in any way draw attention to oneself. And old habits die hard. But sitting at the communion liturgy in the garden this past Wednesday night, it occurred to me that I was 21 years old that Sunday in July of 1999 when I found Holy Trinity, which means that as of next month, I will have spent half of my life as a parishioner here. Being an LCMS refugee is probably no longer a valid excuse for not talking. So here goes. The fact is this, my faith story is one that is inextricably tied to my coming out story and the story of how I found Holy Trinity. I was 18 years old when much to my shock, I realized that my attraction to men was probably not just a phase that I would grow out of. As the strict product, the product of a strict LCMS upbringing, which included both primary and middle school parochial education, this revelation was problematic to me to say the least. How could a supposedly loving God say it was wrong to be gay, but then not give me the strength to overcome such feelings? The next several years were a real struggle for me, bouncing between denial and acceptance, spiritual belief, atheism, agnosticism. But by the summer of 1998, I had settled into a kind of internal truce embracing who and what I was, and accepting that while I had a spiritual side that needed nourishing, maybe the church I had spent my whole life at didn't have all the right answers. This was confirmed to me when I decided to come out to the new young hip pastor my congregation had just called. His response to me telling him I was gay was, well, Travis, I cannot tell you you're not gay, but I can tell you that if you continue to persist in acting on this behavior, you will go to hell. No, nope, not okay. I was done. In fact, I was angry and done. I had done way too much work to let him make me feel that kind of shame about myself again. So I spent that fall, winter, and spring church and religion shopping. I tried the Buddhists, I tried the Unitarians, I tried the Presbyterians, the Methodists, but nothing felt right. I might not have belonged at Bethel anymore, but I was still bred in the bone down to my core Lutheran. So one Sunday on the recommendation of a friend, I decided to drive into the city and check out Lakeview Lutheran. I was running late that morning and despite knowing exactly where I was going, I somehow drove right past the church. I remember that just as I realized my mistake, I saw Holy Trinity and I thought, well, there's another Lutheran church. I can still catch the sermon. I walked in mid service to find a group of maybe 25 people at the most, and Craig just beginning what was 
the best, most accessible sermon I had ever heard. As the service ended, a couple of people, and I'm looking at you, Ken Duckman, wherever you are, came up and welcomed me and dragged me out to coffee hour in the garden. It actually kind of freaked me out. When I was growing up, if new people came to church, you did not talk to them. You stared at them and made them as uncomfortable as possible so that they would never, ever come back. But by the time I left church that day, after hearing Craig's sermon, meeting him, meeting all of the people who were regulars back then, I knew that I was going to become a member. The subsequent years at Holy Trinity have taught me a whole new way of thinking about what it means to be a follower of Christ. I've learned that the message of Christianity is not about a theology of sin and damnation, but one of radical welcome and acceptance. It is about making the world better and more just. It's not about excluding the other from the table, but finding ways to make the table bigger, wider, more inclusive, and more diverse. It is here that I've learned what it means to be radically welcoming to others and to myself. It is here that I've learned to love myself, all of myself, in a way that growing up I never would have believed possible. I've learned that not only do I not have to compartmentalize myself to be a Christian and a member of this community, but that the things that used to set me at the margin are gifts that help me live a fuller and more embodied faith and that can help me to enhance this community and the world. When I found Holy Trinity, I found home in the truest sense of the word. I would not be the person I am today without this community. So to all of you, thank you. And to Ken Duckman, thanks for talking me into staying for coffee hour. Let us pray for the Church of Jesus Christ around the world and for Holy Trinity and its leadership. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. Let us pray for the health of the earth, its lands, its seas, its animals, and for those who work in our fields and produce our food. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. Let us pray for peace between and within nations, for President Trump, the Congress, and the Supreme Court, and for a right observance of the 4th of July. Hear us, O oh God. Your, Your mercy, mercy is great. Let us pray for those who are oppressed or enslaved or poverty-stricken, for an end to racism, and for both protesters and police. Hear us, O oh God. Your, Your mercy, mercy is great. Let us pray for all who are sick, for those who are sick or sorrowing from the coronavirus, for medical workers and researchers, and especially those we name before you by unmuting or entering into the chat feature. Stephanie. Larry. Chris. Kathy. Morning, Pat. Copper. Jameson. Gordon. Georgia. Sisters. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy, Your mercy is great. Let us pray for families facing an unprecedented summertime and for those remotely observing and celebrating Pride Sunday. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. Let us thank God for Bishop Irenaeus, the apostles Peter, Paul, and Thomas, and all those who have died in the faith. And let us pray that at our end, we will join them in God's presence. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy, Your mercy is great. O oh God, the Holy One, you are yourself the cup of cold water we crave, relieving our deep thirst. 
receive these prayers for the sake of Jesus Christ, for your mercy is great, now and forever. Amen. With trust in God who nourishes and sustains us, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Life is short and we do not have too much time to gladden the hearts of those who travel the way with us. So be swift to love and make haste to be kind. And the blessing of the triune God who made us, loves us, and goes before us be upon you and with all those whom you love this day and always. Amen. Peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be to God. At this time now, I invite you to unmute yourself and get ready to share the peace with one another in gallery view. The peace of Christ be with you always. And always also with you. With you. Peace. 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 Peace.